برا الحزن البوق والزوارة برا برا الفزد الحزن ما بقى امان برا برا العطش والناس منحوسين برا برا لحرمة الظلم والعبودية Hi everyone, welcome to the Seedstruck Movie Podcast. Today is episode 111. Uh, today we are talking about the... We're continuing our Ridley Scott watch series, actually. Number 12 in the watch series with Black Hawk Down uh, from 2002. Uh, but joining me today are the usual suspects, uh, part of the army, Curtis. Hi there. And fellow soldier John. Standing tighter. I don't know what I'm supposed to say. Aye, <laughs> aye, sir. <laughs> Hoorah! Uh, right. Um, but uh, yeah, before we get into uh, Black Hawk Down, we're going to start off with, uh, you know, our, our, our normal news of the week and uh, what we've watched recently and whatnot, uh, just to kind of kick the episode off. Um, John, did you want to do you want to kick us off with the news of the week? Uh, yeah, sure. So um, uh, looking and I actually I want to correct because I, I put this in the notes. I said the movie came out in 2002. I believe it was actually a 2001 release. I, I think it came out the same year as Hannibal, this movie, which is okay. very interesting but that's my bad but i it's 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 important to note that i have some notes on that that i want to talk about uh when we get into it but uh for news this week uh, a bunch of new releases i think there's some ones that were added on here that i'm not as familiar with but i'll i'll start out with the ones that i'm that i am familiar with so the first one is uh the new film uh may december uh starring uh an actress we just saw from hannibal uh julianne <laughs> moore uh this one's uh kind of an interesting movie it's by um todd haynes who's a a director that I, I quite enjoy. He's of course done movies with Julianne Moore in the past, like uh, Far From Heaven and uh, Safe, of course. And uh, a movie that I recently watched by him, one of his first movies, is of course the um, the uh, superstar, the, the Karen Carpenter story, the one told all through Dolls, that you can only watch on a really shitty, grainy VHS rip on YouTube um, of questionable quality. Uh, so this one's a, a very kind of controversial subject matter movie. It's uh, based on a true story. story too. Yeah. Loosely, I guess loosely based on like Mary Kay Letourneau, who was a, a teacher. I don't remember what state she was in. I want to say Florida, but maybe that's being stereotypical, but she was a teacher who uh, struck up a relationship with students. Um, and of course became a huge like media tabloid sensation. And um, the, the fascinating thing is of course her and the student, of course the student is now an adult, um he was underage at the time uh they're still together and so the movie is this story is sort of loosely based on that about a woman meeting this other person and learning about their i don't really know much to details about the yeah because uh, well, natalie portman plays this actress and she goes to southern yeah. georgia to meet uh the woman this woman who's been accused of this crime and is, is now in a relationship with the 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 man the boy that she groomed so it's really weird <laughs> but i'm excited yeah. to see her amazing things so yeah, Todd Haynes is a great director, so um, I'm excited uh, to check that one out. Uh, another one that just came out, and uh, this is one by Alexander Payne, who did, of course, Election, and one that I saw recently, which was Downsizing, which I fucking hated Downsizing, the movie stunk. <laughs> but uh, this one's called The Holdovers, which is uh, starring uh, Paul Giamatti. Uh, it's about a movie where he plays this, like, curmudgeon instructor. It's at this, like, prep school. It's taking place over the winter break, and he's sort of stuck, forced to remain on campus, uh, to kind of uh, watch over a few of the students that are still 
stuck on campus. They're not going home for the holidays. And he kind of forms a bond with one of them and also with, I think, one of the cooks on the campus. And um, yeah, I didn't really know much about this, but it just sort of, I guess it's just coming coming out theatrically now. And beginning rave reviews. I even saw somewhere that like on Letterboxd, it's like already in the two th- the top 250 or something. Like it's been getting like golden reviews. So I'm, I'm kind of fascinated to check it out now. And uh, uh, especially since uh, I didn't like Payne's last movie all that much. So I'm, I'll definitely check that one out. It seems like a good one to watch for the uh, holiday season as well, too. Um, and uh, there was a few other ones listed here. I think, Curtis, did you did you add these ones like Fry Bed? Yeah. Fry Face and Me? Yeah. So Fry Bed Face and Me, it's a new Netflix uh, film. And it's uh, it's about kind of a Navajo focus, too. So southern southwest U.S. And it's about these two cousins and they have this uh, this friendship. And I think in Navajo Nation, but I was kind of interested to, to see it. I heard good things about it. So I thought I'd check that out. Um, uh, 20 Days in Maripool, too. That's a new PBS uh, documentary. And it's about, as you could probably guess, uh, the the uh, war on Ukraine in Ukraine. And it's about uh, I think it's like documentary footage of, of um, you know, actual Maripol before it was flattened by the Russians. Um, and I think PBS also has a new mini series, which came out, I think, actually last month. But I wanted to mention anyway, because I'm a big Ken Burns fan. And this is called Mary Buffalo. And if uh, one of his mini, he's done a ton of American miniseries. They're always on PBS. And I think his uh, Vietnam War miniseries is one of the best I've ever seen. So I'm a huge fan. And I think it's available to stream on PBS. You just need a um, VPN to, to uh, watch it from abroad. Um, but it's too two huge an hour and a half segments so uh say about as you could probably guess the american buffalo so i'm kind of keen to check that out as well and we have another one too don't we? what's what else came out recently oh a little movie called napoleon uh by ridley scott uh which literally just came out as of last week so or i think earlier this week so um yeah uh, of course the story of napoleon played by uh joaquin phoenix it's also joaquin phoenix's reunion of sorts with uh, ridley scott of course since gladiator so uh, movies of course been getting a lot of buzz um it's beautiful it's shot like 70 millimeter huge grandiose uh film i guess did any of you guys watch it yet i said i was gonna roll out day no one, honestly, i was i, I was kind of snickering at some of the... the flower moon said <laughs> i'm excited i'm excited to watch i heard some like there were like these kind of guardian articles about these like french people who went to watch it and they were like i did not like i did not like the film and i'm like what did you expect bambi like i mean like come on it's not going to be historically yeah. accurate it's it's a cinematic experience you know like it's not a history lesson yeah yeah <laughs> i've seen some mixed takes on it but it looks i don't know to me it looks good what quinn are you excited to check that one out too definitely yeah um yeah i i have also heard like some a lot of disappointing things about it yeah. but overall i mean i love what walking phoenix is doing especially in the past like 10 years of his career um but uh i mean i don't know i, I i'm just gonna go in you know w- with an open book and i think i think it'll be really good um it looks the cgi look from what i've seen like the cgi looks great uh like john mentioned very big you know shot 70 millimeter um I would love to see it in 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 like a nice IMAX setting, if I could. Um, but uh, yeah, I'll de- I'll definitely check it out at some point. I gotta wait here because they're all they're all in all the they're all in German here with the d- German dubs. So I think I'll just wait to see oh, it in yeah. Ottawa probably. <laughs> yes, good stuff. Uh, a couple of uh, RIPs to note. Uh, one of them is the acclaimed English actor uh, Joss Ackland, who passed away, age ninety five. Uh, very well-known uh, and well-regarded English actor who appeared in movies uh, such as Tinker, Taylor, Soldier, Spy, Lethal Weapon 2, The Hunt for Red October, 
Um, also, I believe, uh, had some acclaim for, for his role in White Mischief. So rest in peace to him. Um, another one as well, too, um, one that might be also not totally familiar with some folks, but Suzanne Shepard, who had some notable ro- roles in movies like uh, Goodfellas and also uh, had a significant role in uh, The Sopranos playing. I think she played Carmela's mom in The Sopranos, if I'm not correct, if I'm correct. Um, uh, so a, re- a pretty fine performance there. Um, so rest in peace to them. Both very old, both live long lives. Um, otherwise, uh, in terms of recent movie stuff, uh, we do have uh, some stuff related to the film Nosferatu, referring to the new Robert Eggers, uh, I guess I guess presumably remake of, of Nosferatu. Uh, there's yep. been some new screenshots shown, and actually there was news, of course, part of that was, uh, I think Anya Taylor-Joy, who was supposed to play the lead, was recast, or I think she left the project, and oh. I think Lily Rose Depp is now in the lead role, and uh, there was a couple of screenshots with her, images with her in it, and I guess it's kind of funny, because I remember for a while this movie was sort of long discussed and like development and product and there was no real news about when it was going to start being shot and it seems like all of a sudden within a year it's all come together um so i'm excited to check that one out because i think we're all kind of fans of robert eggers films i actually like the northman i know a lot of people didn't really love the northman all that much, but that was a movie yeah i really yeah i didn't i didn't like that, that one movie. as much but i like the visuals for it <laughs> i like william defoe and william defoe was great <laughs> Yeah, so um, yeah, I, I'll be interested to check this one out. I believe Willem Dafoe is playing uh, the, uh, I guess, Count Orlock. In, just in this cast movie, him. But... Just cast him in every movie. <laughs> which, uh, which is fascinating because I think the, didn't Willem Dafoe play? He was Shadow the, um, of the Shadow of the Vampire. He yeah, was, yeah, he was yeah, Shadow of the Vampire, right? Shrek, so it's, yeah, yeah. So he's sort of returning back to the same character, which is kind of funny. So yeah, um, yeah I think he. Cool. I think it's in color too, right? I, I think. think so. Yeah, I, I think I, I haven't. I haven't read followed the details too much, but yeah, it, from the. From the pictures, it looked like it's it's in it looks like it's in color. It had kind of like a oh I don't know. It had almost like that you know when you overlay the silent films where they put like the blues and reds and greens yeah the greens moods yeah. like it had that kind of like blue look to it. I wonder that'd be kind of cool to see them go like Guy Madden mode or something and go <laughs> yeah, be... throwback <laughs> like silent yeah. film exploitation or something. That'd be cool. Uh, yeah and yeah other other movie stuff uh a release that was supposed to come out this month that many people were disappointed did not come out this month was dune part two uh it's actually been moved up uh it's in its release date so it's now coming out uh march 1st 2024 um i expect to roll out to dune too i i didn't love the first dune all that much but i i haven't revisited it because i've been waiting for the second one to come out to because it's i guess a minor spoiler but the movie literally just kind of ends there's no like natural conclusion in the first movie it's just like all right, part two coming soon. Like it just chops. So I, I kind of I'm kind of inclined to rewatch that first movie and probably like the day before I go out for, for Dune Part Two just to kind of catch up. Um, but yeah, looking good. Are you guys going to be rolling out to to that one? Which one, sorry? Yeah, uh, Dune Part Two. Oh uh, yeah, definitely. Probably, yeah. I got, I got to see how it continues. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'll probably wait. I uh, I didn't even see the last Dune. I'm not really a Dune oh, really? fan. Yeah, I'm not really a Dune I think, guy. I think you'll actually really like it. Quinn, it's it's actually not what I thought it would be. It was really amazing to watch experience. Right. It's much better. It's much different than the David Lynch one. <laughs> right? Yeah, I'm not. I'm like I love David Lynch, but I'm. Not, I, I didn't like uh, that. I didn't like that movie either. I'm not a Lynch fan. Um, <laughs> no, me neither. But, I, but uh, this one is totally different. I I actually loved everything about the new one. So it's Timothy oh. uh, Chalamet too, right? Yeah, yeah. He's the the main Paul Atreides. Yeah, actually, really, I really like what he's doing right now. I, I like uh, me too. He's I just like getting all, hitting all the right notes with like you know movie yeah. season <laughs> yeah no no he's sweet yeah so that one's gonna be coming up so that we'll be excited for that one when it eventually 
rears its head. Um, so let's talk uh, briefly uh, some what we watch. And as I wrote in our notes, directed at myself, keeping this to two, because I always, you guys always watch one or two things and I watch like <laughs> nine things. So I'm forcing myself to only talk about two things for the sake of our dear audience who's like, shut up, get to the movie already. Uh, so why don't we start off with, uh, let's see. Yeah. Oh, I'll start off with Curtis. Curtis, what have you been watching? Uh, yeah, so I didn't watch that much this week. I had a lot of deadlines, but um, the first thing I watched, um, I watched finished watching uh, Sex Education season four with my girlfriend. We were big fans of the uh, previous season, so the final season is uh, was finally out, and I think uh, it it had a nice kind of ending overall too. A lot of some of it felt kind of you know too quick. Uh, it was very inclusive, which I really liked, but uh, sometimes it felt a little bit unrealistic. Some of the plot threads. And it, it almost felt like too much drama at times. It felt like there was drama in uh, every scene sometimes. So I thought it was a little bit too much drama. Um, loved, loved a lot of the cast. I, I don't really like Asia Butterfield that much. My uh, my British friend <laughs> absolutely hates him and he calls him a little worm. He looks so old. He <laughs> yeah. looks so old now. Yeah. I, I, I only watched part of, I watched most of season one and part of season two. And I, because my, my wife really enjoys the show. And I saw the trailers. I'm like, God, this guy looks like he's like 37. Like, why is he playing like that? <laughs> yeah. Like, like, why is he, how is he still in high school? Like, why is he a sex group? It's a little <laughs> weird. And like, don't they actually do like, don't they do their homework or actually, they never do actual schoolwork in it too. And oh man, like, yeah. I had, yeah, a, I had the problem with the Harry Potter stuff I'm like where are they studying man like yeah I, w- I, I would want to study it you know actually in actual classes at harry potter but i mean yeah so anyway it was it was good but um i mean there was a little bit too much drama and some of the you know the characters too like they do kind of just deplorable things and then you're supposed to like you know have a more nuanced view of them and i was like no you know i just don't like this character like you can't make me i've already made up my mind about this guy in the wheelchair i don't like him you know <laughs> like i'm not gonna yeah. like him by the series end um so yeah, it was really well done. I think Eric, who's going to play the new Doctor Who, uh, the actor, yeah, uh, he, was was my, yeah. he was my favorite. Yeah, and uh, yeah. there was this weird kind of story arc. I don't want to spoil too much, but um, it's about his kind of relationship with God and the way that the end of that storyline. I, I felt it felt a bit disjointed with the rest of the series, uh, but it was you know the best possible ending. Although you know, I mean, I'll 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 have a little bit of spoilers. I think stupid Otis should have gone. You know gone with Maeve to America but I mean that's just me but anyway I don't want to say too oh, much oh I haven't watched the show and I'm like that already I'm like what <laughs> sorry come on Otis stupid Otis get yeah. together Otis yeah, and get uh, together. The, other, I, the other thing I, I well I didn't watch it but I played it was uh, it was a video game called the Heilwald uh, Loophole and it's, you're basically in this dingy psychotic uh, hospital too it reminds me of Outlast too but there was like a lot of German doctors and I guess maybe it was some kind of weird you know critique of the nazi uh germany maybe but uh yeah it's very surreal really weird gameplay horrifying amazing sound design i mean <laughs> you hear those sounds and you get like just absolutely jarring i don't know how you create that so it's kind of like outlast made by one person and it's the 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 uh, thing with this game is that instead of dying in the game you just get teleported to a different part of the map too when you die so there's no actual death in the game too and it's really interesting but i don't really understand all the story but I enjoyed the experience. It was terrifying. So that's everything I watched. What did you watch this week, Quinn? Yeah. So um, I finally watched the Hunger Games for the first time. Ah, the, first, the, the first one? Nice. <laughs> I had never seen it. And uh, I was talking uh, to a buddy about it at work and uh, a few other people just kind of brought it up. And then <clears throat> I think the new one's out. So I was like, oh, like, I'll check it out. So I threw it on Netflix and I actually thought it was pretty good. Um, like, uh, yeah, I thought it was pretty interesting. I really like Jennifer Lawrence and uh, I do like Josh Hutcherson as well. Um, overall, a good movie. Uh, yeah, I enjoyed it. 
Um, I thought, uh, yeah, I thought the story was pretty good. I, I'll probably check out the other ones, even though I've I've heard from everyone that the first one is the best one. Mm-hmm. But uh, maybe I'll I'll get to the other ones, um, you know, periodically did down you, the road. Did you watch uh, Battle Royale too, Queen? Because I think you'd like that one. That one kind of inspired Hunger Games. I've seen Battle Royale because Tarantino talked about it, ah. and Battle Royale was awesome. Yeah, sweet, uh, wicked movie. Um, but uh, yeah. Then the other movie I watched, which I've seen before, is a movie called Fruitvale Station, starring Michael B. Jordan. It's like a ind- independent film. Uh, basically a true story about uh, true story about a guy played by Michael B. Jordan. Um, I believe it's based in Oakland, California. And it's just a day in the life of him on uh, New Year's Eve of, I think it was 2009. And uh, yeah, it's, I don't really want to spoil it, but it, yeah, true story uh, about uh, him and his friends go out for New Year's Eve. And then uh, they're kind of met with, with uh, some, some, some issues with the cops and stuff like that. Um, But yeah, very very good movie very real movie i think a lot of people would find this movie boring but uh i think what what makes this movie good is that it's extremely realistic um you know i'm i'm sure if if you know people had a camera following us for a day or two or it would just be like you know us answering text messages and us going to work and us going to see people and and all that stuff. And and that's what, that's what you get in this movie too. It's very, very quick. It's like an hour and 20 minutes. And uh, you know, it's just kind of about a, a guy juggling his, his daughter and taking his daughter to school and going to see friends and trying to stay on the right path and trying to get his job back. And it's just sort of this like, um, you know, real life story crammed into one day. And uh it, you know, it's met with tragedy and, 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 uh, and, uh, really heartfelt acting, but yeah, just overall really good movie. Fruit fell station. If you haven't seen it, check it out. It's Seems uh, to get like the real a- gritty, gritty feel for like, cause Oakland, I think is a pretty rough place, isn't it? And it getting just like watching the trailer, it you is- get the feel for it. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it, it's definitely, uh, it's definitely like a, a movie that you see, um, you know, like a, a struggling African-American man, who's like trying to to do well financially and trying to get his life together. And then, you know, he's met with sort of hurdles. So, you know, he, he's, you know, he's trying, he's trying to be as good as he can, but um, you know, he's close with his mother too. It's actually a very, very, very good movie. Uh, Octavia Spencer, who I love plays her uh, places, his mother. And uh, actually the child, Michael Murray has a small part in it too um but uh yeah overall a good film i i I definitely recommend it but uh what about you john oh yeah so i watched um i've caught up to the saw series now i didn't watch the new one but i watched (laughs) a spiral book of saw uh it's a chris rock Uh, one is it the chris rock one yeah chris oh yeah yeah that uh, one's very good (laughs) so as the title would suggest it's spiral from the book of saw so this one is uh, in the in the universe of Saw, and they make overt references to Jigsaw and, and sort of characters. No, not even characters. They really just say Jigsaw, and that's about it. But um, basically, a, a series of murders starts happening. Uh, Chris Rock plays this uh, detective, uh, Zeke Banks, who his dad, played by uh, Samuel Jackson's like the former uh, sergeant, I guess, or the, the 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 
a captain of the precinct. So he's, um, but he's kind of had like a, a rough career since his dad's retired. And uh, he, he has this new rookie partner uh, played by uh, uh, Max Mingala. So it's a bunch of murders start happening. And as we see kind of in the opening, there's this sort of quasi like Amazon Alexa voiced jigsaw killer who sets up this trap and, you know, it's, you know how these things go. And <laughs> uh, he starts to investigate what's going on. And the killer seems to actually be targeting members of the police precinct. Um, and there's sort of, as you would imagine with uh, being, being focused around the police, there's a sort of focus on like police who have done misdeeds, who have killed innocent people or who are corrupt. And there's a little bit of that angle. Um I saw a lot of people talking about, oh, it's it's cool that they're doing focusing on kind of cops, but I'm like, they already did that with Saw too. Like, this isn't really new territory, uh, focusing on bad cops. It, it was it was a really weird a... it was a really weird genesis too, because didn't Chris Rock come up with the idea for it? Like, he pitched this idea. Yeah, he was the executive producer <laughs> on it. Yeah, and it's kind of fascinating because I remember this movie came out what 2021, and I remember when it was uh, first coming out. There was some I was reading an interview, uh, I guess talking with Chris Rock and how. You know, he was kind of he wanted to he was saying like this wasn't him being funny. He wants to be more of a dramatic actor. I, I couldn't help but make the connection of like Robin Williams circa like mid 90s when he transitioned into doing, you know, Oscar films. But a lot of like thrillers like Insomnia, <laughs> and uh, yeah, yeah, even Death to Smoochie. I love that movie. <laughs> and but uh, also like one hour photo, like where he's playing like a twisted kind of, you know, he's playing like more menacing roles. And I kind of imagine Chris Rock have, has similar aims, but like. Okay, like Chris Rock in this movie is basically doing bits for like the first like 20 minutes of the movie. Like he's the movie starts off with him doing like basic basically like a, a B side of like a stand up bit where he's talking about how like, you know, you, you'd have to make Forrest Gump woke and like what would Forrest Gump two look like? And it's and I it was just such a weird tonal shift because like you see this grisly murder at the start of the movie and then it's Chris Rock doing bits for like a good chunk of the movie and then he meets his partner and he's talking about oh, you married? And he's, he's like, he's like, oh, yeah, I've got a kid. And uh, he's like, oh, let me tell you about it. And, like, he starts going on his Chris Rock bit. I was like, uh, it was really distracting performance. I, I found it was like, it wasn't like serious enough. And like, he overacts like, so much in it. Um, but I did have a kick. This is a spoiler, but you'll know. Um, of course, Samuel Jackson's in it. And the whole time, I, you know, the movie's terrible. But halfway through, I started, I started making like, you know, Samuel Jackson jokes about like, you know, do you want to play a game, motherfucker? I started doing that for like the whole movie, and then at the end of the movie, he actually is like, "Snakes." And at the end of the movie, he's like, "You want to play a game, motherfucker?" And I like st stood up in my chair. I was so happy that he actually <laughs> said the line. I was like, I knew that like he must have like, <laughs> on condition of being in this movie, I have to say this line. Um, the movie's horrendous, by the way. The worst of the series. Yeah, it's not I, very I good. It's not movie. very good. Um, yeah, it's a brutal movie. Um. Otherwise, though, I did watch, uh, we were talking pre-show, a much better movie. I rolled out last week, uh, or I guess earlier this week, I would say time's, time's escaping me. Uh, I rolled out for the new uh, uh, Martin Scorsese film, Killers of the Flower Moon, which is also based on a novel. Um, and from what I've read since watching the movie, the, there's actually a lot of differences between the novel in terms of characterization versus uh, the movie. Um, but I won't spoil it. I think we'll save it for a deeper dis discussion in the future. But it's definitely a movie that, you know, begets a a full-fledged uh discussion uh yeah. and dive into it because and you really so get that like there. feel for the whole kind of uh colonial history of, of how the native people felt about this whole yeah, thing absolutely. too right i think it's a good microcosm for that 
Yeah, and it's it has so much of Scorsese's touch. It takes place, uh, you know, it's in the early 20th century um, in this town in the Osage County. This the, the Osage were the natives that were kind of during the early, or rather the late the late 19th century during colonialism, the, when a lot of native tribes were being you know brutally killed and attacked. They were forced to Oklahoma to re kind of resettle there. And they struck gold because uh, oils just spewed out of the ground. They ended up, they were relocated to very oil-rich territory. And, and during that early 20th century, because of the way that, like, I guess the land rights work, I'm not much of an expert in, in this history, but my understanding is they they inherited the land and it was all based around uh, the kind of families and, and, and personal connections. So oh, it is, isn't... most of the, many of them became rich and were sort of like and upper it... class, uh, you know, folks, because like they, they own the land, but the only way you could, um, many of them couldn't actually do anything with their money. They needed like a guardian. They were deemed incompetent. And, and in also as well too, um, there began this sort of plot of like, you know, a, white people trying to marry into these families to kind of take over their money. And that's really the yeah, sle sleazy Leonardo DiCaprio and that scumbag Robert De Niro in this movie. <laughs> yeah. Where it's trying to like, I, again, I'm, I'm, we're starting to really get into spoilers. So I won't talk too much, but I yeah. will say like, you know, I thought I'll just say, but I thought unfold. probably the best De Niro performance in 30, 20, 25, 30 years. I thought he was just mm. absolutely stunning in this movie. Um, it's crazy. You watch like five million, you know, stupid grandpa movies or whatever with <laughs> Nero mugging. And then you watch this movie you're like, oh, yeah, this guy's one of the greatest actors of our time. Like, he's just phenomenal. And I loved De Niro in this. He plays like, uh, again, I can't spoil too much, but like he plays like a total dope, like just a dumb, a dumb guy. Like he just plays like a dummy. And it's it's such a it's such like a interesting performance. But the, the big focus, of course, is on Lily Gladstone. Her performance is Molly. I mean, she's phenomenal in this movie um she's one of the big highlights uh you saw it too curtis i guess we, we can't spoil too much but like i guess you liked it I, I take it right yeah i really liked it i don't know if it's something i could watch again but uh, i thought it was a great movie and you know it's it's hard for me to hold back with the spoilers but i won't i, I won't i'll try not to give too much away but i think yeah leonardo dicaprio um robert de niro and especially the uh the female lead and actually you know there's there's so many great performances in that too uh you know brendan fraser you know coming back strong oh, yeah. Jump scare. He just shows up. He's like, here they, here they. I was like, fucking hey. I was so happy when I saw him. <laughs> yeah. And, and other it, people too. Uh what, what's his face? John Lithgow. I guess that's a spoiler. John Lithgow, but yeah. He he's pops really out old. of nowhere. <laughs> yeah. I had and, no idea he was in the movie. He just pops up out of nowhere. It was wild. And uh I think uh I really liked um oh what's his name? Um Tantu Cardinal was great. Uh Jesse Plemons. Je Jesse Plemons is great in everything. You With know, his but... big hats, his massive <laughs> fucking hats. I'm like, oh, Jesse Plemons, I needed you now, man. Like, you're, you're the saber we needed in this movie. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. Well, actually, maybe a minor spoiler, but I loved his performance and his role because, like, it's such a skewering on, like, the typical, you know, the movie. You know, this is very much like Scorsese finally making his Western. And, like, he's playing the role. Uh, Jesse Plemons' character is playing the role of, like, the, the hero cop who shows up to, like, save the day. And he doesn't have to do, like, too much really, like, digging he just kind of like starts talking to a handful of people and this like conspiracy just completely unravels i thought that was pretty funny how it is it's it's not a funny movie but there's a lot of dark humor and just like i don't know about your experience watching it curtis but there's there was a line a character said that was pretty terrible but the whole theater we were like just laughing because we just couldn't <laughs> believe how just about oh. about you know about face it was like it was such a oh it's yeah, too bad because it was probably it was the German dub I was watching the German dub so it probably the German oh, humor is very good yeah. so they dub we'll Germans, talk about Germans, Germans dub everything here too so which is kind of oh, a downside yeah, right. uh, it's downside sometimes but sometimes they do do a good job like and I thought the dubs for Killers of the Flower Moon was actually pretty good but you know sometimes the dubs kind of suck <laughs> but. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah, we're going to have to, once we do our inevitable Scorsese watch series, you know, coming soon, three years from now or whenever we finally <laughs> get to finishing the Ridley Scott one, uh, we'll, we'll talk that, uh, then, uh, yeah, it was like, it was a great experience watching it. Great to see like a, a proper movie movie, you know, three and a half hours long. Good movie. So quick. <laughs> Um, felt like a movie, you know, it's textual, it's the shot, I guess, uh, I don't know, did Scorsese shoot it on film? I, I didn't really, I, I guess, I, th- I think it was he's produced digi- as well. He's, he's digital. digital. Yeah, I was going to say he's digital, but I mean, he's, he's such a good composer of images and like the way he blocks and like, he just does it so much better than like so many of his contemporaries and he's fucking like 80 years old like it's insane watching <laughs> it and seeing how how much he still has it late 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 style score says he still what, what, what like, it, there was there was all some of beef. our contemporary peers it's so sad there was way. some like beef wasn't <laughs> there there was like what, what did uh really scott say he's like oh i done four i've done four movies since martin's could say i'm like why are you causing shit man like behave yeah, yourself he, he did four movies and two of them were bad <laughs> so what <laughs> two of them suck so like, yeah, behave yourself like no one liked that. you could you could have made 20 house of gucci's no one nope, gave nobody wanted alien covenant <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I do find it funny that like uh I think we talked about it before but, like Scorsese that interview he did at was it Variety? I can't remember what magazine it was, but he talked about like, you know, how you know turning 80 and he, he was talking about kind of his more grappling with his mortality and saying, like, you know, there's so many, there's so many stories I want to tell, but I can't, you know, because I'm old and I won't have time and really lamenting about that. And then you have Ridley Scott literally last week from the press junket being like, oh, yeah, I'm working on my new passion project that's gonna come out probably in a year or two, and I've just signed up for a new project and like just doesn't give a fuck he's 85 he's like committing to the next four years of his life for movies um i don't know how to feel about that but i you know i can't help but always make the connection with the fact that you know him losing his brother uh just about 10 years ago i wonder yeah. how that much you know that focus drives him to really keep making movies like the way he does i, I don't know but uh he's got a got drive to him that i both admire and i'm kind of disturbed by i really think <laughs> that our 80 something year old should be enjoying their golden years and the time they have with their family and friends. But I suppose when this, so much of this is your life, you kind of have to keep doing it. I don't know. I, I have mixed feelings. Might on be it, a baby but... boomer thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Maybe I think it's impressive from a human, I don't know, performance standpoint, especially, you know, being 80 and still cranking these out. I mean, you know, even Kurosawa, you know, still was making great movies, uh, you know, in his yeah, he's made to 80, 89 and Ingmar Bergman to 89. So yeah, even Ingmar Bergman. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think I was in Bergman's last film, like 2006. It got like a festival release and everything, if I remember correctly. Yeah, I think like, so. Uh, I, I'm like, fuck, why wasn't I like old and older and more of a cinephile back then? Like, <laughs> after some of these late like screenings, I, you know, I, I was too busy seeing fucking like <laughs> Fat Albert or Norbit or I don't know, some like McKay Farrell movie. The, the new, I, had to, new, I had to go new, see that. I, the new Eddie Murphy <laughs> movie. <laughs> all the screenings on film that were happening, couldn't give a shit about but I had to go see like semi pro on opening night with my buddies, like you know. <laughs> but uh, what a weird transition to our topic. We're uh, we're transitioning to Black Hawk Down. Um, so this one, of course, is based off of a 1999 book, uh, Black Hawk Down: A Story of a Modern War, uh, which is also based on the real life events of the uh, uh, 1993. Um, uh, shoot down at the Black Hawk helicopter in uh, Mogadishu um, during this Mark, time Mark, period. Mark uh, Bolden, Bo, Bo, the journalist's uh, book from 1999, I think. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And and during this time, this was in the early 90s, uh, Somalia had experienced a, fa- a famine and was also in the midst of a pretty violent civil war. So the U- the UN was was stationed um, in, in uh, Somalia. The UN Security Council uh, sent like a military operation. So the U.S. was involved along with like i think pakistan and uh, uh some other countries as well too 
Um, and so the the leader of of of, of Somalia, I believe the president of, of Somalia, uh, Mohammed Farah Adid, um, had kind of set up this militia. So they were like sort of taking over uh, UN supplies. They were sending munitions and food to people, and they were taking over the stuff. And you know, if you had control of the food, you have control of the populace. So um, as as a response, um, President Clinton deployed uh, military operations task force ranger uh, which i believe consists consists of the the third battalion the 75th ranger regiment delta force and also the flight crew from uh, 160th soar which the big of course text opening of this movie explains it gives you this big info dump about what's going on um and kind of like a tony scott-esque kind of vibe i, I mean this might be his most like tony movie really making this movie it felt so much like a like a Tony Scott, both in its kind of subject matter and its action, and just the kind of technical style of how he how he delivers the information and stuff. Um, but um, yeah, so this movie is, of course, based off a book. Um, well, we'll get into a sec, but I just wanted to say, like, this was actually um, it, the book was released in 1999. Um, I believe it was optioned first. Simon West was the director involved with it, who suggested this movie to Jerry Bruckheimer, but. He ended up working on uh, Laura Croft Tomb Raider, and he didn't really want to work on this one, so he ended up dropping out of the project. Um, of course, then Ridley Scott ended up being involved in this instead. Uh, but uh, very, very. What, what's also fascinating about this movie too is just like I, I put, I, I copy pasted the cast in the show notes. This this cast is like a fucking who's who of future stars. Um, even going down the list, I'm of course like we have some of our main characters like uh, Josh Hartnett playing a uh, staff sergeant uh eversman it's, ba- um, it's basically you know, it's basically like every like up-and-coming actor from like the to the noughties yeah. you know up in this movie yeah and like josh hartnett <laughs> like i i just watched a lot of josh hartnett stuff because i want we watched uh, h2o of course and yeah, i went coming out of pearl harbor faculty, yeah. so yeah so i've, I've been hartnett pill the last few weeks you got a so heart for hartnett <laughs> yeah and uh ewan mcgregor and as as grimy i was thinking of like frank grimes from the simpsons no he plays john grimes um, who's obsessed with coffee and i you know i had i had my cup of coffee this morning in honor of uh grimes um as ewan mcgregor's performance playing this sort of uh i think he's like a, a private corporal i want to say oh no he's a specialist but he's like a ostensibly like a like a mailman he's like behind the scenes office clerk who that's how he describes himself anyway he said like during desert storm he was like you know working in the mail room making coffee and he's all about his beans um and yeah, it's a massive cast. I, I, I mean, I, if one of the negatives I kind of found in this movie was just like, there's so many people and so many famous people that you just like, hey, it's that guy, like uh, uh, Nikolai Kloster, uh, uh, what's his name? Uh, oh, Nikolai the guy Kloster from Game of Thrones, from, yeah. From Game of Thrones, Jamie Lannister. He plays a uh, Gordon, and uh, you know, he just pops up middle of the movie, and I'm like, holy shit, it's him. Even a young Tom Hardy as well, too, doing uh, his American accent uh, makes an appearance. Uh, so this movie is just like a, a a who's who of of characters all the way through. Um, yeah, many of that were at the time pretty pretty well known, like Tom Sizemore and you know obviously um, folks like that. Sam Shepard, of course, recently rest in peace uh, as the uh, uh, Master General William Garrison, who has a significant role. And of course, we saw him last in Days of Thunder. I guess Jason Isaacs happened. Isaacs too, and and R.I.P. Uh, Tom Sizemore. I really like Tom Sizemore. Um, yeah, too. and Eric Eric Bana as well in this, who I will always love as the 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 true Bruce Banner oh. in Ang Lee's Hulk. I mean, say what you uh, will about Troy, but he was I I really liked Eric Bana and Troy too. You know, Hector <laughs> 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 was great. <laughs> so you're thinking to yourself, folks, what's well, what's this movie about? So of course, um, 
there this is taking place in Mogadishu. Um, the U.S. And, and sort of U.N. is sort of focused on uh, taking out or taking down a deed. Uh, so outside of Mogadishu, we see that the Rangers Delta Force, they capture uh, Osman Aliado, who's a sort of leader. Uh, he's not the main guy, but he's kind of involved selling arms. Um, he's like a businessman in real life. Uh, um, and so the U.S. captures him and talks to him and he says, you know, he kind of tells them like, you know, like this is just war. Like, you know, this, you know, like, what are you going to do? Like, and, and I kind of found that whole through line kind of fascinating this movie because we really don't get much discussion with the actual factions of, of the Somalians and, and discussions with them. But whatever we do in this movie, they're all just kind of like, forget about it. It's Chinatown. Like they're all kind of like, this is how it is over here. Um, and oh my God, I fucking was so sick of the ah, sound. He was like, every time there's like music in this movie, it's just like yellow piss filter in the fucking like generic oh, just, Middle just, Eastern. Just wait, just wait till you get to Kingdom Heaven. There's like, it's like oh every 10 God. minutes, there's something. Christ almighty. But uh, maybe I'll, I'll open it up to you guys because I, I don't want to spoil how my feelings in the movie too much. But like, I this was my first time watching this movie. I, I grew up mm. after Gladiator. I mentioned before, just like you guys. Gladiator was a huge fucking phenomena, um, big movie when it came out. Um, I remember vividly, like with just like with Hannibal, this one came out um, late. Late, it actually came out late two thousand and one. It was like a December twenty eighth release, so it dropped just before the new year. Um, I, I never saw this movie, but it, I've, I haven't always seen this movie because this movie, of course, uh, millions of well, not maybe not millions, but so many movies and video games and stuff are pretty much directly based off this movie i think especially the the call of duty modern warfare series mm. which almost takes most of its early missions straight out of this movie um so in a way i kind of have seen it because i've seen all the shit it's been based off of but this was my first time watching it so i i wanted to ask you guys have was this uh, a rewatch for you have you seen this movie before what are your thoughts kind of coming yeah, back you to go it? you go first quinn yeah um to be honest i, I haven't uh watched i haven't seen this movie since like probably it came out like uh it's been a long time but i i might have seen this one in theaters um but uh yeah i haven't watched it since so it was nice to revisit it um it's kind of a war movie that uh slept slips through the cracks for me when whenever i think of uh um war movies especially american war movies but this has got to be like up there with one of the the better ones for for the americans yeah, I, but, I, I really I really like this one too, and I same with Quinn. I watched it when it first came out, and I remember I really liked it too. And it's interesting because a lot of our friends from like high school, too, the ones who got into the army, I think they were really influenced by Black Hawk Down. I know my brother Ryan really likes this movie too. Uh, too bad he yeah. can't be here today, but um, yeah, I mean, I watched it again a few years later, and I I didn't like it as much, but I think you know the combat scenes were excellent. I loved seeing all the the cast, and I like you know with Ridley Scott, it's really great. You have a lot of these great like feminist uh uh. uh films that he does but you also have like kind of ruminations on masculinity and i think um that's something that's really interesting here with black hawk down too and we also have it with other movies too like white squall but uh i love yeah. what he's doing here with the film i think it's really interesting so yeah it so, was yeah, it, for... it, it was fun coming back to it too i i i'd like to watch it again because i didn't get to rewatch it this week but i'd be interested in rewatching it a second time just to see how it compares you're gonna want to give yourself some time. This movie's two and a half hours. I had to tap <laughs> out like Lila. I watched her watching oh. a couple days ago, and I I got an hour in. I was running out of time, so I, I got up early today and finished watching it on my phone because the CTV app wouldn't work. We, we are TV, John. So. We are not going to Mogadishu this week. <laughs> yeah, no. This is how dedicated I am to cost, folks. I'm wa- I'm watching this movie on my dinky ass phone at like 8 a.m. because I'm committed to the cause. I'm he hasn't even had his coffee project. yet. <laughs> 
I hadn't even had my coffee yet. You know, I was so enraptured. But uh, I also want to talk a little bit more about um, sort of how this movie came to be. So um, many of the actors involved in this movie as well, um, kind of similar with like G.I. Jane, where they got like real SEAL training, you know, to really connect with the um, the kind of fellow soldiers and, and learn a bit more about the personalities. Uh, many of the actors in this movie actually bonded with the soldiers that trained them. So they were actually really, really trained by soldiers. And I think it really shows. I think it's one of the highlights of the movie is just how um, authentic it feels. Um, not just the commands itself, but as, you know, shit just falls apart, seeing the kind of like stress and panic. And, you know, I think of the scene where uh, I'll just call by the actor's names so, like Tom Hardy and the other guy are, are shooting at the guy crossing the street. And he's like, he's like, what the fuck, man? He's like, and they're like, sorry, sorry. And like, there's that sense of like, shit, I fucked up, but also like, we have to keep going. You know, there's just, there's so many and moments living, like living, of... living with that cult. They don't have time to process the guilt or the responsibility. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> and that's why you know, a lot of like horrible that's injuries a, and that like, kind of plants just, the, the seeds like... for this. Like, you know, you, you see a lot of soldiers coming back from like Afghanistan or like, you know, Somalia with PTSD. And this is kind of plants the seeds for that. Doesn't it? Yeah, certainly. And uh, maybe I'll jump ahead. Actually. I, I, you know, I found it so fascinating watching this, especially after watching Hannibal. Cause these were both uh, movies that came out in 2001. Uh, both of these movies were filmed in early 2001. And, you know, I, you know, I think of the idea of the concept that's paired it around like, you know, films and being able to almost like send messages back from the future to the past or like through time. And like, but Hannibal has like that really weird scene where it's like, here's the FBI's most wanted. And it focuses on Osama bin Laden. And then we have this movie that was filmed in early 2001 and it, it feels like a post 9-11 movie. And certainly this movie was very much uh, a movie that people associate with sort of the post 9-11 wave of like action military films. When this movie came out, of course, this came out, uh, you know, months after September 11th and when the United States um, was going, started its military operation with NATO into Afghanistan. And of course, a year and a half later would be involved in the its assault into Iraq. Um, you know, this movie is literally coming in the in the shadows after Desert Storm. It gets some references there and many of the soldiers themselves that would have been involved in this operation. Um, I don't really know their all their biographies too well, but I assume many of them would have been involved in 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 in, in Iraq during Desert Storm. Um, so uh, it's such a weird thing watching this movie because it's like I cannot help but separate I can't I can't separate it from like the time and place it came out. And that this was very much a like, you know, it, it's it, the movie sort of describes itself as like, um, I think it's like a pro soldier movie, but like an anti war movie. But it's like, I can't help but be like, there's probably a lot of people, as you were saying, Curtis, I watch this movie and they're like, fuck yeah, I want to join the Marines. Yeah, I'm going to go to Afghanistan. You know? Yeah. And kind of count. Yeah. And they went to Afghanistan for fucking no reason and got fucking blown up. And it they're, sucks. They're man. Mind, or they lost uh, their minds. Yeah. <laughs> And this is really much the, the 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 kind of theme of this movie is like why the fuck are they here and like the characters themselves are kind of like you know we're here we're gonna make the best of the situation in terms of we have to look out and, for and each kind other. of kind of we're kind fighting of a, for each other not for a cause and it's like kind yeah, of kind of a good kind movie. of an interesting gear different gear kind of compared to like something like GI Jane too because GI Jane is like you know more about like you know her being kind of there's a gender issue and this one it's more about like kind of the the fellowship of you know that's all they have is you know sticking with each other you know in, the, in this yeah, kind of war-torn country kind of the resources aren't so good either like we, we <laughs> see like the the convoy sit out to rescue them and like they don't have enough space for them so they have to run back and there's oh, like man. you know they're like come on we're requesting air support and it's like okay like i can't see you guys it's too dark can you throw up and there's always like little moments of like the the united states the general harrison who's like he can't just do this all himself he has to talk to of course the general from pakistan who's they have the safe base and there's always like almost like bureaucraticness that affects 
the actual dictation of the mission, but also there seems to be just a general sense of like they're kind of operating off of uh, you know they're not they don't have the best stuff like they're operating off of uh, kind of scant resources and kind of even fly by night kind of planning when when shit starts to fall apart because it really falls apart the Black Hawk Down incident is uh, Super Six One I think is the plane right and the guy falls out of the plane and 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 he's wounded and then of course the plane itself is shot down um, and crashes I think the the pilot and the co-pilot are killed um, two of the snipers escape but it's the the plane or the the, the helicopter shot down. That's really what kicks off this whole thing because they're specifically going to Mogadishu uh, for the specific operation to capture and take down two of the sort of people involved in this um, uh, sort of conspiracy. And then this is what kicks off really the big, just the big shit show of the movie is just them going through the streets, trying to kind of regroup, uh, get to the helicopter um, and also, uh, you know, keep each other safe so that you know rescues can come in and, and rescue them and then of course later in the movie another helicopter gets fucking blown up uh super uh six force gets shot down and uh that lead probably like my favorite scene in the movie was when that helicopter of course gets shot down but afterwards where um we see us uh, shugart and J- gordon go to like rescue the the guy who's there captain Steele, who's like sort of pinned down he's like i, I think he's um I don't know if he's uh, broke his legs or or he's got some kind of paralysis, but he can't walk. So they just prop him up against the wall. And it's a very, um, you know, in the in the mood of like, you know, masculinity, it's sort of about like, what are you going to do in your final moments? And we get all of the classic Ridley step frames of the, you know, the sh- slow, the slow frame. Movements, the hyper speed, you know, gunfire. <laughs> yeah, it's like, you know, they're literally just like. <laughs> fighting with a little bit of whatever arm armaments they have left. And, you know, to the extent where the guy at the end is literally they're literally pulling the soldiers out of the fucking helicopter and parading them. And the guy's getting the shit kicked out of him physically, like, you know, choked out before, uh, before one of the, um, the, uh, the commanders from Adid's forces shows up and, and they and, take him as, a and you know, what's interesting about this movie too, is like, you know, RIP all those poor Somalians who died. Cause like, I think, you uh, know, spoiler, man, like, yeah. like, like, I think about five, like two or three of the actual soldiers die. Like, and everyone else is like Somalian civilians. Uh, well, I mean, <laughs> I'm coming fresh face. I just watched the movie. The last scene in the movie is that text dump where it's like, yeah, we, the U S lost 19 soldiers. And there was also a thousand Somalians <laughs> killed. Yeah, I was like, like a city, like a fuck, city. Man, they really <laughs> fucking massacred all these people. Oh. Man. Some of them were children and, and women too. I mean, the, it's, it's a pretty disturbing scene, but we see the woman who's running through the streets and, you know, they're like, get out of the way, run. And then of course she turns around and picks up a gun and the guy shoots her. And it's meant to be a moment where you're like, holy fuck, this sucks. Yeah. But I'm also like, oh man, pretty, pretty shitty. The whole, I don't the know. Whole, the whole shot city becomes militarized. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, everyone, this seems like it's a like, fuck, man. Like, uh, they're they're okay. I'm, I'm gonna skip down my notes. This movie, of course, has had some controversy over kind of depictions of like race. I'm really fucking sugarcoating it because, like, <laughs> you put this movie side by side with like a World War Z where you just have hordes of people coming, and it, it, it had like a same vibe to me. Like, there's almost no characterization. Well, I with think anyone that, that there was a game the other side. Um, it's Far, Far almost Cry like 2. an old exploitation film in a way. Far, Far, Far Cry 2 came out around this time, too. And I know there was issues because all the zombies were like African people, too. And I think that was really problematic, too. Because all the oh, you mean zombies Resident were black. Evil 5, I no, think, it was right? it was Far Cry, was... Far Cry 2, I think, because there was the Is there uh, zombies in Far Cry. Or, 2? It was Far, yeah, there's Resident Evil 5, too, I think, was also yeah, Resident Evil 5. Yeah. had the zombies that were just basically African. The, yeah. They were African, African people, tribes. yeah. And you're just going around shooting them. I'm like, uh, oh, it's kind of weird. Oh, this I feel like weird, weird virus, yeah, or like <laughs> Ebola. 
Yeah. It's like a whole ass hour of the game is just going around plastic people in their like yeah. little homes. I'm like, yeah, I feel kind of gross playing this game, but maybe <laughs> that's the intention. Maybe it's like that uh no Russian mission in Modern Warfare 2, right? It's supposed to be evocative of who's the real killer? Is it you? Is it the game? Yeah. Maybe that's what they're trying to do there. I don't know. But I like uh, the I love the uh the Hans Zimmer score was really great too. And they had a lot of guest um yeah. performers too. There's the Barabara, which I'll probably have in the outro intro for this uh edit, but uh yeah, like and the the leave no man behind. That was a beautiful one of his best songs, in my opinion. Yeah, a lot of this, the a lot of the music when we're actually focused around the soldiers has that kind of like almost like classic Western and American. Quinn, they have uh, jo- Joe Strummer too, like one of his last soundtracks. I think uh, Joe Strummer on the soundtrack, so that's pretty cool. <laughs> oh, the uh, ma- yeah, the Mascaleros. I think Mascaleros. Right? Yeah, that was a really good one. <laughs> solo stuff. Yeah, that's awesome. But yes, I, I like the music, but I did not like the fucking uh, yeah, <laughs> the wailing, uh, the wailing like, women. Yeah, hell, man. I was like, <laughs> what fuck kind of racist ass movie am I watching? I see. I don't know if you guys. This is like so internet brain, but there's a TikTok where it's like they do that. It's like POV. You're watching like a movie taking place in the Middle East, and it's like uh and then people stitch the, the the which if you don't know like stitches like where you like do redo the video with you side by side, and and they 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 add on to it where it's like. Hello, my friend. Welcome. And it's like all these yes. stereotypes of like, you know, <laughs> come into my store, buy my Persian carpet. Yeah. <laughs> People in a village staring from the sides of like, the you per, know, per store. Ar- per we, we had him watch Raiders of the Lost Ark. And as a Persian, you know, he's probably like all this. Like, he's all like, the the I am so <laughs> welcome to Egypt. You know, like, oh, God. <laughs> and the camels <laughs> and all that. But like, yeah, I don't know. I, I found I found that like. Maybe 2001, it was a different time, but I couldn't help but again also think of this coming out post 9-11, how this just totally fucking added to like the, you know, the shit that like a lot of like, um, you know, uh, people of Arabic descent were facing uh, in yeah. North America of being like, you know, victimized and like. I kind of couldn't help but think like yeah, this movie kind of adds to that. But also, but, this takes place in Somalia. Like, why is it using like what? Saudi Arabian like music? It was such weird. Yeah, maybe like, it's maybe I'm well, maybe I'm wrong. Horn, maybe Horn of Africa it, but... and Saudi and Oman. Yeah, I guess. But, like, I guess, yeah, but, still, uh, it's not quite it's the Middle so East, weird. is it? And I think, um, no. yeah, I mean, I think one of the first casualties after 9-11 was actually a, a you know stupid racist was a Sikh man who's not even you know Middle Eastern, and they blamed him for the. Towers. He's from fucking India. Like, you know, get your geography right. And even then, you know, oh like, man, the time of when they would like yeah. security at the like at the, oh, at the airports would just like, Jesus you know, the, you know, talking about it now is crazy. But like, if you were, uh-huh. we were the children of where it was normal, where like people who were like brown or had turbans would just get rounded up at airports. Yeah. After 9/11, for like, we have to like talk to you for an hour to confirm you're not like a terror. Like that was such a crazy. Like, actually, time. I'm from India. Like, fucking idiots. You know, like. But geez. like. uh yeah, this movie, I thought I couldn't help but think about that. But like, I will give this movie credit. I thought it was very like uh, detailed. The, the combat scenes are just immaculate. Like when you're actually seeing the combat happening. Like, yeah, he's always like, good at his combat scenes. I think even if the movie sucks, like the, the combat scenes always redeem it. <laughs> and it, a lot more coherent than like G.I. Jane. Like that was a real downside with like even even though the first bit of Hannibal is like, I can't even tell what the fuck's going on. It's just so much like at haphazard editing and the step frames and it's hard to watch and this one the action is actually pretty clear uh to an extent like he does a lot of like quick edits and cuts and uh but it's and it's very steamy and sweaty of course but i i, I could kind of tell what was going on and you know when you see like the rpgs coming in and stuff like that uh, again it reminded me of like my favorite moments playing like modern warfare and stuff like that where all the commotion is happening and dust is getting kicked up in the air and you know i think i think i think he does a really great job at sort of sort of capturing that stuff and also the there's a pretty 
pretty, a lot of gore in this movie. A lot of people really getting maimed and shot at and well, heads you know, blown up. The guy <laughs> in the Humvee where they're getting sh- where they're getting the, the shit shot out of them in the Humvee, and he, of course, the one guy gets injured and then gets the glass blasted in his face. He can't see. He's like, put on, step on the gas, and he's like literally coordinating him with a bullet in his neck too, or grazing his neck, and it's just you just see how just how rugged this movie is how much you know actual violence and stuff they're they're like by the end of the movie they're pretty well maimed and if not psychologically scarred they're literally physically scarred too so you know we really see how like kind of far uh they kind of come with this um through this experience did they like they were trying to get that somali leader too i, I believe too they, they, they didn't actually ever get to him because i think the city was no. just too chaotic <laughs> so i don't think, I think that he, happened uh, I want to say he was assassinated. I got to double check. I think, I was, I think he had a heart a attack. That's what it look... says on this Wikipedia page. Mohammed Farah. Oh, Adid, maybe he did. Adid, yeah. 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 He was quite, yeah, he was fairly old. I think he was in the sixties. Like he wasn't, mm-hmm. uh, I, I got really confused watching this movie. Again, I'm not, I'm not an expert of like the history of Somalia or this conflict, but I thought Adid was like one of the like commanders there. And like, I didn't realize he's just some random old president guy who's not in the movie at all. I was like, oh, I got to be confused. Surprise. Um, <laughs> but I really did love the moments with like the Somalian commander where, you know, he offers him the cigarette and he's like, no, he's like, oh, yeah, of course, the Americans don't smoke anymore. Another nod to like kind of the the classic cowboys and Indians era of America of like, you know, the John Wayne where this movie's kind of like a very much like a post critique of that where it's like it's almost like a like a post war Western where it's like you know the heroes aren't as heroic as you think they are and the the bad guys aren't as bad as you think they are there's a little bit more of a cloudy moral complex there and they don't i think there's this attempt to kind of do that in this movie but i, I didn't think it was really that all that well done i kind of wish there was more a bit of focus on the somalian uh characters because i really like that scene where he's offering him the cigarette and he's like mm. oh of course yeah i, I think with the... don't smoke anymore he's like all right what do you I think, think for you're just a I bunch think... of lumps he's like yeah i think kinda. We, like you said like with the war on war in afghanistan and war in iraq too like it that aspect of it hasn't aged really well. It almost feels like a kind of an, a, a hiring ad to, to work, to, you know, join well, the. <laughs> yeah. There's a bit of criticism. Cause I think doesn't the guy say like, Oh, you Americans are here to spread your democracy. But like, again, it's like, again, it's like the forget about it. It's Chinatown moment. He's like, you know, we have our own way of doing things around here. Uh, but you know, you're only good for killing. You're not good for anything else. And there's a little bit of that, but it's not, it's not prominent really in the movie. It's more of like the subtext, I guess. Um, but it's I, it would be interesting to see if the movie was released now, how different would that focus be a little bit of it? Because, um, you know, I, I think I think a lot of people praise this movie for you know how it depicts soldiers as like as fully fleshed out people. Like we spent a lot of time the first hour of this movie. There's not really much going on. It's just them at the base. We're, we're, we're meeting all the characters. We see the guy like writing to his he's doing the like the drawings the, with the charcoal to his his family. And we see the characters have like a you know they they cook and they're they're interesting people like they have stuff going on in their lives and we even see like uh with uh what's his face the the uh, josh hartnett's character when they're talking about the actual civil war like someone who actually shows a lot of compassion for what's going on so there's a bit of idea of like you know these aren't just grunts that are want to kill anyone who's not american they're actually you know intelligent people who have mixed feelings about the combat and have their own opinions on the kind of political context so i thought that stuff was was actually quite good um but yeah, but also I, I think the film this film was mostly filmed. I want to say in Morocco. I think it was filmed, uh, I believe in Africa, but obviously it wasn't wasn't filmed in Mogadishu. Not, not Mogadishu. No, you got rocket launcher, <laughs> film crew. Jesus Christ, yeah, but, <laughs> it's still unstable. Yeah. Film. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's not on my that's not on my visit list. That uh, I'd love to see Ethiopia or Eritrea, but Eritrea is really hard with the visa. But anyway, <laughs> yeah, but uh, yeah, um, 
was there any other scenes that really stood out to you guys? Um, I, I, I did I really not... will. I, no, go, go ahead. Uh, I think I think it was just the collective experience of it. I, again, I should have rewatched it before today, but I think just uh, I just love the combat experiences, and I love how he kind of like with Mad Max Fury Road, it's, he stretches those combat scenes to make it a full kind of film, which you wouldn't think would work on paper, but it just uh, it aesthetically it's fascinating too. Um, so there's that aspect. What about you, Quinn? Yeah, the scene that always I remember um, it's really sticking out to me um, the first time I watched it. Uh, maybe not as much this time just because I was like expecting it or whatever, but was the uh, the scene with the Delta snipers over with like the, the helicopter with the overhead shot, mm-hmm. um, you know, and you see like a whole bunch of people running and stuff like that. I just thought it was like really well shot and like pretty, uh, pretty like a heart heart pumping scene, I, I guess. But uh, that's always the scene that that kind of stood out to me, um, especially after the first time I watched it. But uh, but other than that, yeah, man, that's that's pretty much it. Yeah, I, I, my favorite sequence was the part just near towards the end when they're really like got, got you know in that in that little building and they're just there's not much left. They're waiting for the convoy to come, which they couldn't send it because it was too hot. So they're waiting, and we find out, that, of course, Eric Bana and his group are actually kind of sneaking their way in, and it's a great scene where they actually you know hand to hand like choke out the combatants and then point the rocket launcher at them and kind of use their own weapons against them. Um, but, you know, I was reading, I was reading a review uh, by Josh Lewis on Letterboxd. And like, I, I think he kind of talks about how a lot of people make connections to uh, like Starship Troopers, certainly, but also Night of the Living Dead. And I kind of felt like a little bit of that in that scene, because it's like the horrors are coming from outside and they're just all held up together, all stressed out, sweaty, injured. There's a little bit of that kind of element to it too, a little bit of that kind of almost horror element. And I, I really like that part of a part of it. I, I honestly, I, well, I'll talk about our reviews later. I wasn't the biggest fan of this movie, but like I really enjoyed uh, that part of this movie towards the end where it's just feels like the walls are all coming down around them. And, you know, the, the, the scope of all, how much shit is just fucked up is kind of weighing on them. They're like, the one guy's like, all of this started because he fell out of the helicopter. He's like, yeah, well, we know we got to just see this through. And, you know, he's trying to kind of reassure him, but he's right. Like this whole thing is just a total fucking disaster from the start. And, uh, you know, general, we see the general and I think they depict the general in a kind of positive light where, you know, see him at the the hospital where he's mopping up the blood and he's, he seems to really take ownership of it. But, you know, I think in real life, like he got in serious shit. Like I think the credit sequence says like, you know, he received criticism for what had happened and then retired shortly after, like they kind of put him out to pasture, um, so he kind of took the took the sword, fell on the sword for for what had happened, but it was a pretty much a huge disaster, start to finish, um, you know. And it's kind of just like, and maybe it's maybe it's just a microcosm of war in general, right? Like war isn't. And I, I think know, uh, heroes coming in to save the day. It's little skirmishes that go awry and stuff like that. And maybe that's maybe that's I think that's a really important point too, because I think a lot of people tend to glorify this film when it's actually kind of very critical of that aspect too. And it's much like you know with the Martin Scorsese movies, like. Goodfellas people are like oh I want to be just like you know him or like oh I just want to be just like totally surprised I'm like oh did you yeah. you're missing the point like <laughs> are we watching the same thing <laughs> like <laughs> yeah so, it's the it's the never-ending depiction versus oh, oh Scarface is my hero right? like fuck man he's not supposed to be he's a psychopath you know like <laughs> yeah but I also think whenever I think of like the endorsement versus depiction versus endorsement angle I think of that uh discussion I think it's um uh, Hoberman about you know about um um Schindler's List, the idea of like, you know, making a Holocaust movie. And, you know, the scene that gets referenced in that is when the when the Jewish people are brought to the showers and then the showers turn on its water. And, you know, the idea is you're thinking, oh, my God, they're getting gassed them. We're going to see them die. And it flips that. And, you know, his point is sort of like, you know, if you're going to make a movie about this, you know, you're still making something that's thrilling and engaging and, you know, 
works with like genre filmmaking tropes it's it's in a way still disrespectful and i, I don't know i kind of think about that with this movie a bit because it is sort of anti-war and it does have that sort of like you know war is hell angle but it still is really thrilling there's there's no characterization of the the marauding black masses that just get squibbed up and shot apart like we don't see much anything about them they're just all rushing in they're all sweaty coming in off the streets and it, it is a in its own way still a very kind of pro-america depiction of and again just maybe it's a coincidence but the time it came out this would have been a very effective tool to recruit young men into the war on terror uh which was a total fucking shit show and and i i can't help but kind of criticize the movie for that in a way it's not really the intent of the movie but it it is a result that has to live with and, and it's time and place and i don't know but i i will say though i did really enjoy the fact that one of the deepest casts of any really scott movie in terms of of who, uh, who's who uh but again i also kind of wish there was a little bit more characterization with the soldiers i couldn't tell through most of the movie like who is who is what i was i was so lost you know I, i'm i'm always big on i like my movies where i know where i'm at geographically and this movie just fucking throws it out the window i had i was just like what the fuck is happening um until the end where you know the cast kind of gets narrowed down and we really kind of you know stew with them but for the first hour it was just jumping to everybody it's a it's a big net in this movie there's a lot of people it's just a a huge crew but um i don't know anything else you guys want to mention you want to uh, i did want to say a little bit off topic i haven't been to somalia but um i know you guys like coffee and if you ever get a chance to try ethiopian coffee it is really good it's really good ethiopian food's really good too but if you like your coffee you get it served with in this beautiful kettle with popcorn and it is an experience so try ethiopian, ethiopian coffee if you ever guys get a chance <laughs> oh interesting i've always wanted to have like a turkish coffee too you get like the, the cheve like the little like handle ladle thing where uh, it's all yeah. the sediments there i the store near me sells, sells one i kind of yeah i kind of want to buy one for myself and just like have it in the morning with some like uh dates or something like i'm uh at a little village or something date with Except the it's february i'm in ottawa you know wife got wife guys <laughs> yeah so a couple of notes before we wrap up this movie it released again end of the year 2001 uh i think the budget was about 92 90 million it made 173 million it was a huge hit of course this was also i remember a big like dvd movie i just remember it was at blockbuster a lot of people own this movie uh if anything we talked about this from day one but the ridley scott experience one of the cool things about him as a director is that i I really associate him with like the dvd era because like he would release movies that had tons of special features and hours long documentaries and for me that's really what made me into a big movie fan. Of course, I loved the movies as a kid, but it was really the the DVD era where it was like, oh, deleted scenes, alternate endings. And that's sort of what got me into kind of movies as like an actual like art form uh, rather than just like mindless entertainment that you watch. So um, I, I do respect that. And and of course, uh, he gives you that experience with this with this movie as well. Um, good, good reviews, of course, when this movie came out, Roger Ebert uh, for the Chicago Sun-Times. He gave the movie four stars out of four, and he said that films like this help audiences understand and sympathize with the actual experiences of combat troops instead of trivializing them into entertainment. I was trying to do my Roger voice there, <laughs> uh, not my Siskel voice, though. Others oh, Siskel would have been dead by then. Uh, the film has had a small cultural legacy, of course. Like people have studied this movie in sort of context of like America's perceptions of war, like through the media. Um, and uh, Newsweek writer Evan Thomas considered this movie one of the most culturally significant films of the George W. Bush presidency. Um, and he suggested that although the mo- the film is presented as being anti-war, it is still at its core, core pro-war. He says that, you know, though it depicts a, a shameful defeat, the soldiers were heroes willing to die for their brothers in arms. Uh, the movie showed brutal scenes of killing, but it's also courage, stoicism and honor. 
the overall effect was stirring, if slightly pornographic, and it seems to enhance the desire of Americans for a thumping war to avenge 9-11. And that's sort of where a lot of the like kind of scholarly focus is on is of this movie is the fact that, you know, when it came out and how, you know, it represents the kind of era of and there's a lot of films of, of that time that we, we kind of associate with kind of post 9-11. You I've been watching all the Saw movies and certainly the whole torture mm-hmm. uh gore genre subgenre of horror that really came about in the mid 2000s a lot of people focus on that in regards to um the kind of war and violence that we associate with post 9-11 or even stuff like uh Guantanamo Bay and Abu Ghraib and sort of the torture of of uh of Iraqi and, and Afghani um you know military men and innocent people that really weren't terrorists who got kind of sucked in and there's a lot of that kind of discussion around kind of that period of horror um i i don't know i don't know if i always agree with that i sometimes i feel like it's a people kind of retroactively applying coincidences coincidences of the past but i don't know there's probably something there but it, it's it's fun to talk about anyway it makes for good discussion um in film circles uh, for what it's worth um i think uh ridley scott got nominated for best director for this movie um i think uh, uh also the movie got some nominations for cinematography sound editing etc um but the film did get some controversy again i think the somali justice advocacy center in california denounced the movie for what they felt was brutal and dehumanizing depiction of somalis and and called for a boycott so there were some voices at the time that were fairly critical of the movie uh, a quote that i kind of found a little bit illuminating uh, jerry bruckheimer the film's producer he he rejected these claims on the he went on fox news on the o'reilly factor and he said he rejected the claims and he put it down to political correctness in part due to Hollywood's liberal leanings. I thought that was a very <laughs> revealed quote of Bruckheimer and how he feels. And also like, wow, things don't really change, do they? Uh, you know, this was like 20 years ago. Uh, <laughs> but I thought that was kind of funny. Um, I wish I'd saw that interview live when it happened. Um, but uh, I guess we can maybe get into our reviews then, our, our feelings in the movie. Um, uh, Curtis, did you want to kick us off then? Yeah, so I really like this one. Uh, unfortunately, I didn't get time to rewatch it coming back. Uh, like I said, the second viewing, I... I uh, liked it less, but I think, you know, in retrospect, you know, it might be four or four and a half for me. Uh, I'll, I'll settle with the four for today, but I did really enjoy it. Um, I like the production value. I like the cinematography, like some of the stuff, as I said, too, like the, you know, in comparison with what, what was happening at the time, the 9-11 and war in Iraq, that hasn't held up as well. Um, and I think people often kind of misread the film, too, which is also quite a problem. But uh, I did enjoy it. I think, you know, in terms of, of combat, uh, in terms of narrative, I think you know, it's it's a really good 2000s offering from him, too. So, you know, we have Hannibal and then that one. Uh, so good start to the 21st century for me. So I give it four out of five. What about you, Quinn? Yeah, um, I also gave it a four out of five. Um, overall, I thought it was uh, it's a good cast. Um, I, I do like Eric Bana and uh, Josh Hartnett, uh, especially in this movie. Um, you know, o- overall, great uh, cinematography. Again, uh, I think a, a really good uh really good effort from Ridley Scott. Um, I don't, I don't know. I know I did give it a four out of five, but I, I don't think it had the same effect on me um, the second time watching it as it did the first time. Yeah. yeah, But, but overall I I do still see its quality as like a motion picture, but uh, yeah, overall a four out of five, John. Uh, I was not a fan of this movie. I gave it a two out of five. I I was (laughs) biting my tongue for through our discussion uh for the sake of being kind i really fucking hated this movie for a good chunk of it the first hour i thought was a total abomination and i did like the last hour again i was watching it this morning on my phone 
maybe it's just the morning I was focused, uh, you know, I was determined, but I like the last hour where it kind of all falls apart and we just see like everything gets worse and worse and the soldiers are getting, maybe I liked it because like, oh yeah, these soldiers are finally getting their just desserts, you know, they're blowing away masses of Somali innocents possibly and then finally they're facing some little bit of retribution, but uh yeah, it's a it's an interesting experience because I think I think this movie is very technically proficient. I think, um, you know, I I always find the you know Ridley going Tony movies to be kind of fun, like a, and you know he's kind of did a little bit of that with like Black Rain, and we get it in this movie, and I think maybe it's from a technical proficiency standpoint and coherence of just how he shoots action. I think it's he does a really great job here, and I I think it's something that Ridley got better on as he went on as a filmmaker. Like I think his action filmmaking. I mean, now it's basically what he is. He's sort of like a big budget historical action filmmaker. That sort of became his brand after Gladiator in a way, but he's really gotten good at it. Um, but, oh man, the like the fucking, it, the movie's really racist. I didn't like that. I fucking, the ugly, piss yellow filter, shoddy. <laughs> it looks ugly as fuck. It's just, I found like the images badly constructed and just a mess. The, the characterization, there's no characterization. There's too many characters. I was so confused. I was zone, a major zone out because there was just, endless white guys with shaved heads and like same mannerisms Jarheads. <laughs> um, except except I, yeah exactly but i did like you know the who's who moments where i'm like oh it's jamie lannister oh hey it's tom hardy like i like those moments um but it was a it was a tough to get through that first hour of the movie but i gave it a two out of five overall i could have been worse but i really thought there was some elements of it that worked well um and again there's the whole angle around race and also just post 9-11 stuff that i find a little bit morally uh complex but i, I still came away from it not hating it totally, but I would probably rank it at the bottom of the fil- of, of of my uh, filmography rankings of Ridley Scott, which is I'm going against the consensus. I think most people I know love this movie or it's like their favorite Ridley Scott movie. So I'm definitely in the in the minority camp there. So I brought down her score. I, I could picture him having some like kind of curmudgeonly kind of comment too. He's like, "Fucking John, you know, like <laughs> didn't like my movie." Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna get a letter from him in the mail. <laughs> It's gonna be a bag with dog poop or something. Some dog, uh, some dog, some short clip hate or something on YouTube. Ah, it's poop again. I'm like stamping on it. I'm like hitting the doorstep. Uh, so overall, I, I brought us down. We're th- it's a three point three three out of five. Uh, so either take my opinion as 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 canon or disregard me and listen to my co-host instead, who are have a much better view of it. But um, I think a movie that you know has a lot of um, stuff to to it. It's two and a half hours long, folks. It's a long movie. Uh, a lot of squibs which was appreciated very steamy and humid um so there's a lot of stuff there and i would say a very good dad movie very good uncle movie so you know if you're if you have your uncle or dad over throw this movie on they'll probably have a good time as well so can't go wrong there um i that's that's it for this movie then we're we're still talking more ridley scott though we have uh matchstick man up next that'll be coming up we're also going to get to kingdom of heaven soon which oh, I'm I haven't actually that. seen that's, Kingdom that's of my, Heaven, but you, you guys have to watch the extended edition though. Don't watch the theatrical cut because the extended edition is four hours, but it's so much better. <laughs> I was gonna say, like all the all the late Ridley movies, it's like people like, oh yeah, the theatrical release was terrible. <laughs> you gotta watch like five and a half hour directly. Yeah, that's it's, the real it's way really to good them. four like, hours though. Fuck, man, I don't know if I got that much time in my life to watch four hours. Uh, I'll do it though, because I'm committed to the cause. But I have heard people say Kingdom of Heaven is like a really it's, good it's movie. It's my favorite and... uh, favorite Ridley Scott. So I'm excited for you guys. I, I, I don't know like, if you've seen it already, Quinn, but I really like that one. <laughs> Which one? Sorry, you watched uh, Kingdom of Heaven. Have you seen that one? No, I haven't. Oh, I love no. it. Yeah, Orlando Bloom, right? Orlando Bloom and Liam Neeson very shortly, and uh, oh, Eva Green right, yeah. and um, oh, what's his name? The guy from Motherless in Brooklyn. What's his, the main actor's name? Uh, uh, what's his face? From Edward Norton. Edward, Edward Norton's yeah, Edward in Norton. it. Yeah, he plays the the Leper King. Yeah. 
So I, I think you guys have fun with it. <laughs> so we got that coming up. More Ridley stuff to come. We're now in the the aughts, so you know we're getting we're getting the Ridleys that I remember, the Ridleys that you would see at Blockbuster at Walmart on DVD. That perfect era of like, uh, uh, and eventually American Gangster, which is a movie that I really enjoy. Oh um, yeah, another another Ridley doing Tony movie, another movie that feels like a Tony Scott movie in a way. Maybe it's because it has Denzel in it too. You know, the one of the greatest director actor pairings of all time. Uh, so we we'll got we got that coming up. Uh, we'll be doing uh, Quinn's Canon uh, probably in a few weeks at some point. Yes, uh, I still gotta I still gotta figure out what uh, what we're gonna do for that. So I uh, be patient. I'll come up with something good. <laughs> Stay tuned. We also I, I I put in the notes, but I was suggesting maybe for uh, right before Christmas we could do a uh, Die Hard as our you know. That'd be fun to do. Yeah. And I was thinking maybe to wrap up the year we could do. Uh, you know, celebrate Halloween and Christmas. We could do Halloween Resurrection mainly because I just want to get it over with because that's the last one of the <laughs> original series. So are we, we are we going to do movie. the um? Are we going to do the the new series trilogy too, or are we going to skip that for now? <laughs> I'm I'm down to do them all. I want to yeah. yeah. the Rob Zombie the fucking Halloween kills. <laughs> yeah, but I got I got to finish the, the Halloween 2018. I watched like the first hour and a half and just I didn't finish it, so I got to get back to it. <laughs> I just remember, I'm like, this is a fucking miserable movie. Just killing everybody. I'm like, wow, this guy's, gotta <laughs> this guy's a fucking maniac. I mean, like, yeah. like I'm talking about Mike Myers. Like, he's a fucking nice boy. Like, he's a fucking mindless killer. The yeah. personification of evil itself. I'm like, wow, he's a little bit much. A little bit much in this movie. I don't know. That's it. <laughs> so we got that stuff coming up. If you have any recommendations, as usual, you know, reach out to us. We got our, you know, our email at Podcast. You got Quinn at the Seastruck Instagram account. You know, give us He's a got shout. videos out, too. So check out his videos. Yeah. Well, that was it. That's right. We got to put that in the show notes. Put his, uh, his, uh, his YouTube, yeah. YouTube account there. Yeah. So YouTube uh, channel is at Seatstruck. Um, I'm definitely going to talk to the guys um, down the road on doing more um, videos and maybe... Maybe eventually we'll do like uh, we'll somehow record the video of the pod, you know, down down the road and we can post it on the YouTube channel. Um, but I definitely want to do more um, more like movie recommendations. And like I, I did my first YouTube video, which was 25 movies that I love that I think everyone should see, like must see movies, uh, not in any particular order, not, you know, some a lot of them are not my favorite movies of all time. I just picked 25 random movies that I think are uh, very influential and very, very, um, very good movies to watch. Um, so yeah, so we'll, we'll, uh, we'll be talking about that later and uh, a lot more, uh, a lot more cool stuff to come. All right. Anything from you, Curtis? Oh, uh, that's everything for me. So lots of good stuff to look forward to. All right, I guess we can close it out then. So thanks for listening, right, everybody. Guys. We'll see you all Take care, everyone. Have a great Sunday. Week.